Hello and welcome to another episode of Tibbles Nibbles Lockdown Edition. Today, I think we're probably going to have a multi-parter on this because there's lots to talk about. And we're going to talk about travel food or food we've had whilst traveling on holiday abroad in some way, shape or form. So I just want to say hello to Stu. Hello. How are you, Mr. T? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Enjoying this lovely weather out in the back garden. This is probably the first time you've been out for about three weeks. It is. It's been uh, suitably socially distanced, I hasten to add. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is always good. Oh. Tibbles nibbles always makes me so hungry. You've got to have steak. <laughs> Don't eat rice in pubs. <laughs> yeah, well, as in beef tallow. You had to leave your shoe behind the bar. <laughs> Crackling shouldn't be floppy. Oh, and pies. Only psychopaths eat burgers in Nando's. I'm a simple man. Tibbles nibbles. Wow, he loves his food. I wanted to talk about travel food or, or or foreign I suppose you can't really say foreign food because we talk quite a lot about food that is not natively from the UK but food that we've eaten whilst in foreign climes indeed and of course let's not fall into the trap that most of the food that we eat in the UK is from other climes anyway yes I mean, we were very good at you know, stealing things fish and chips um, yes the Jewish immigrants brought that with them wasn't mm-hmm. it yeah etc etc all, all that good stuff so what I wanted to start with was I was quite lucky, I don't know whether you were, that, that I went abroad, I think, first when I was about eight. In fact, mm-hmm. I know I went abroad when I went first, when I was when I was eight, or just before my eighth birthday, I think. Mm-hmm. And we went to France, and we stayed at a, we stayed in a gîte, which is a thing, I'm sure they're, they're all Airbnbs now. What's a gîte? I, I, don't actually, I don't actually know what a gîte is. So a gîte is like a little house. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, basically. I, th- I think it's like a holiday home. I think it's a f- posh French word for a holiday home. Uh, <laughs> maybe our French listener uh, can let us know what the translation of that is. And we stayed behind a bakery. And okay. it was owned by the baker. Basically, the baker owned almost like a... It was it, it was like a square of houses mm-hmm, ar- mm-hmm. around a courtyard. And he turned one of them into... Or two of them maybe into holiday homes. And so my sister and I had been coached by my mum, who speaks reasonable French, as to you know go in and ask for our... Our eight croissants du beurre. Um, was it au beurre? No, du beurre. Um, do you need to specify that? Is yeah, because they a particular do. Type? Yeah, because you have the normal croissants, which are like the sort of like the round shape, and then the croissant du beurre are like the the, the long one, the sort ah, of okay, I didn't know the that. ones that don't curl round, or at least that's my that was my understanding of them. I didn't know that. So of course, my sister and I had practiced and practiced, and this is exactly what we were going to say. And when they told us how much it was going to be, this is how we were going to do it. And then we walked in. We put our basic French, and the lady behind the counter was the baker's daughter, who had just come back from doing a year at university in the US. They spoke absolutely perfect English, yeah. <laughs> so like half an hour of practicing it was completely wasted. That's nice to try, though, isn't it? it is. like, we used to we used to do um, caravanning holidays, yes, and we used to go to France pretty much every year. Mm-hmm. Um, a few exceptions. Any particular area? Do you always go to the same area, or did you sort of go no, around and about? No, we used to move around. I mean, I told story before. We never used to get the, the, the short crossings. Yeah. So I can't really remember. My geography wasn't that really good, and if I'm honest, I didn't really care. Yes. Um, but, you know, it was France, and self-catering in France are just mm-hmm. parts of that that I really like. You know, um, I like the fact that we did a lot of barbecue cooking. Yes. Because the weather was good, you know, in the caravan. And that's when caravanning holidays were good, was when the weather was nice and yes. you're on a kind of big campsite and you could go off on your bikes and meet people. Yes. Um, you know, the, the the closest we got to sort of eating out, we didn't eat out much. We always sort of, you know, self-catered. Yes. We'd go out occasionally, but, you know, one of the, one of the things I can remember is sort of going to the, the local place and getting a load of kind of fries you know, nicely salted fries mm-hmm. in a big kind of tub 
uh, and bringing them back to have on the on the side of whatever. Do you remember the first thing you had? But I, I was I was kind of kind of come to that. I think what I was so what I remember most about going to France is going to the supermarkets to buy yes. the food. Um, and I have to admit, I still love doing that now. Mm-hmm. I, I've I've done sort of everything from camping through to sort of not five star accommodation, but sort of like three star all inclusive yeah. stuff with the fam. Um, and I have to admit, I actually quite like cooking my own stuff i like a blend of both yeah we've got a little place in madeira that we go to every year yeah uh, and it's got a little tiny kitchenette in it but i i'm, I'm a big is fan. it enough to cook it on reasonably it's enough to kind of heat things through and do sort of basic food yeah it's not it's a, it's like a two you know two hobs yes uh, there's sort of a microwave slash grill thing mm-hmm. so you can warm things up and but to be honest i mean madeira tends to be quite hot yeah, especially to a an English um, <laughs> mentality. I also like going out to restaurants for lunch. Yes, and in the evening it's the kind of you know sort of salads and bits and pieces mm-hmm. that you've got from the supermarket. And I mean, there's a nice little supermarket around the corner that does sort of like little deli items. Yes, so you know you can still have hot food if you want, but you don't have to cook it at home. Yes, it's kind of halfway between the two, isn't it? Sort of have little bits and pieces, you know, rice dishes, chicken dishes, yeah, and then just sort of warm it up when you want it. But mm. I just think like, like a bit of picky sort of salady things in the evenings, bit of cheese, bit of bread, that yeah. sort of stuff. I'm happier with that and a nice bottle of red as yeah. the sun goes down. Um, if I'm going to go out for a meal, I do tend to like going out at lunch or you know having something at yeah. that time. And it's usually day. better value at lunch as well. Yeah, which helps. Yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, we did, we did, we we used to do quite a lot of self catering, but still go out quite a lot because. There was very much, you know, it was mum's holiday as well, and or dad and dad's holiday as well. Didn't want them to, uh, didn't want to do too much cooking. We went, we were lucky. We went around France quite a lot, um, and we generally used to alternate between catered and self-catered, sort of on an alternating basis. And I, I do remember um, when we, whenever we used to go catered into a hotel, you'd you'd have half we used to go half board on places that did buffet, so you'd eat loads of breakfast. And that would then keep you full until dinner and then eat dinner. And I still remember two places we went to. One that was really good, which was a place in Fuerteventura, which was the windiest place I think I've ever been on holiday. They actually had the World Speed Windsurfing Championship and they were doing 70 miles an hour on a windsurf, which was pretty insane. Um, And then one that was less good is we went to a place in Turkey Mm -hmm. and they were like, oh, we're going to do a hog roast tonight. We know we're doing a pig roast we were like very excited so of course I don't know how old I was I was like 11 or 12 or thing at the time so I didn't exactly know you know what I was supposed to be looking for the uh, the pork that I got I you know being fairly keen on my food I was one of the first in the queue mm. and then so I bought my slices of pork back and my mum went yeah you're not eating all of that and I was like really why was it too much went, no because it's literally uncooked in the middle <laughs> <laughs> so, so she. I think I remember her doing some excising of the uh, of the absolutely uncooked meat and just picking the the cooked stuff from the outside. And I ate that, and I managed not to get too ill. But some of the people, like the next couple of days, were all complaining around the pool about how ill they were. And I just remember my dad going, "Well, yeah. Did you eat the pork? Did you eat the pork roast? <laughs> and went, yeah. And went, well, yeah, because it was raw, <laughs> <You're> eating, <laughs> you know, raw pork in thirty degrees. It's like, what do you think was going to happen?" Dine on the swine. Yeah. Well, you know. So that was um, those that was good. But those religions that prevent you eating pork in hot climes are pretty much right then. Well, yeah, on that perhaps. The other one I do remember was that my um, we went to we stayed at a place um, down in the southwest of France, and 
we were staying we went we used to go on holiday with some friends of my parents as well and and the lady she went down to the to the boulangerie every morning she was an early riser she used to get up before everyone else and she always come out back and she's always like the lady in the boulangerie shop always looks at me a bit weird after i've done my order i've done it in french and i've done you know decent mm. french you can understand me <laughs> And so my mum got up early one day and went down together and she came back absolutely wetting herself. And it turns out that um, she's... So she put in the normal order because she used to have, you know, croissants breakfast. So there yep. was eight of yep. us, two croissants each, 16 breaks, 16 croissants. And then a couple of baguettes, you know, for, for ham on beurre or whatever for, for lunch. She would always go in and ask for 16 croissants mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, two panda vogue. Right. Which doesn't sound very French. It has to be said V double O G. And of course it wasn't Panda Vogue. <laughs> it was Pan de seven hundred grams. Which is <laughs> <laughs> why this lady was looking at her a bit weird every time she came in. <laughs> she came in she only for the best part of a week and a half, um, to have that. No, it's got I might I might have done something similar. Uh, or I mean, not actually, uh, but but when reading those labels in yes. the kind of small boulangerie places, it, I, I don't. It, it's kind of strange, but sort of the way French people write their numbers can be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I remember yeah the, the the I can't remember what they're called, but they, they they did these little tiny sticks that were sort of like almost like grissini type things, halfway between a breadstick and a baguette. You're right. You know, so it was sort of that sort of an inch across. Yes, and uh, they were obviously really crispy. Listener Matt is uh, sorry. Listener Matt Stu is is doing the demonstration of what an inch is. Um, so try and see that in your head. <laughs> uh, so, but I remember it sort of being yeah, like a hundred grams or fifty grams yeah. or something. And I was trying to work out what it was called, and it took me about. It took me sort of five real minutes to work out that part <laughs> of it was a set of numbers <laughs> rather than it being one word. Yeah, uh, yeah, because we generally don't do things by weight. In you know when you're buying things each, I remember being well, quite surprised. But, but it's also the numbers are bigger because of mm. course you know we still buy things in pounds and, and ounces. ounces. Yeah. And even though we are metric, I mean I'm probably more metric than a lot because of, of you know my wife being metric. Yes, um, I'm quite happy to do that. But there's a load of people that still can't, and so we mm-hmm. have like you know a pound whereas they'll have like 450 grams. Yes. And so it's just a different. You know you're in a different country, aren't you? And you're just seeing different numbers yes yeah exactly i mean it was like that with the with currency isn't it i mean like you end up spending more on things because you can't even though it's you have no idea how many groats the pound yeah even though you've got a little sum in your head and you kind of know it's like you are just you know you you tend to kind of burn through your cash Mm. quicker than you would do in this country where you know the value of of the money i mean i know it's different with euros now but and that, that was kind of one of the shames i think about the euro was just from a from a tourist point of view, having all the different currencies depending on what country <laughs> you're going to, that was kind of cool. Yeah, it makes it a bit more practical though. I mean, when we've done our when we've done our road tours and you could go through six countries and not have to change money six times. Yeah, but I just everything on a credit card anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have real money. Yeah. What are you talking about? I mean, we seem to be focusing on France, which I think we did a lot of when we were in the caravan. We used to collect the croissants. Yeah, they used to be, and I, I want it to be. Maybe it was back in the very very early days, but some kind of beaten up Renault Four van. Yes, um, with sort of some corrugated sheeting at mm-hmm. some point of it, um, or even one of those bigger vans that are now like hipsters sell burgers out of. Yeah. You know those ones. With the well, those little ones, the, the ones they do coffee, coffee those carts li- in the city. Little tiny ones. Yeah. yeah. But then you get the Renault Four van that was mm-hmm. kind of a staple. But then you used to get those bigger vans. Yeah. That were sort of from the war time, but they kind of kept making them yes. into the 70s. And they sort of they got that triangle front mm-hmm. and corrugated iron everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Cheap. Yeah. So one of them used to come round. I'm sure. 
selling the croissants and used to hear it and so it's like my job was to go off and get the croissants yeah um so i must have been what like five six seven yeah. that sort of age like, pr- you know early primary school i learned at a young age like if you just point at stuff you're okay but i did yeah. try the lingo you know me being me i'd just get a set of money and just get some croissants mm. all right then so i'd have a couple on the way back anyway <laughs> <laughs> now at that time and I don't know why but I never used to like panda chocolat right well it's quite bitter chocolate in panda chocolat yeah but I didn't really like croissants much either okay because I don't I, ne- I, did, I didn't like butter right I never used to eat butter as a kid and I only really like it now if it's melted I, d- I like a buttery taste now but still yeah. not too much so I got into croissants slowly bread I used to like I used yeah. to like the baguettes but you know I always used to uh, when I when I got a taste for it it was sort of different when they were still f- that fresh and warm yes. first thing in the morning so you know being the, the greedy bugger that I am I couldn't resist having a, a couple of croissants or a couple of shana chocolates on the way back and it didn't take long for my parents to clock that's <laughs> what was happening <laughs> what but when you came with chocolate all around your mouth but it took <laughs> them longer than it should have done yes what because they didn't really know how much these things cost well no because they'd send me off that was my job yeah. i think then one day you know i didn't go and not, or dad suddenly saw that it was like you know it was 10 it francs was ten, cheaper or whatever or yeah it was like cheaper. they were giving me like a 10 franc note and i should have been bringing sort of 10 or 12 croissants and then yeah. only eight were turning up <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> and, I, well. and i didn't seem to need any for breakfast yeah. <laughs> <laughs> funny that yeah yeah, that's um, that that is quite funny. And I, yeah, we, I mean, we had the same with um, with one when we stayed at one place, and I can't remember where it, what it was called, but we had one, and it was it was literally basically the it it sold boulangerie items and wine, and that was it. Nice. And it basically worked like a milkman, where all the people would bring their empty bottles back, give it to the guy behind the counter counter on the in the van, and um, and collect another two, and that was their that was their wine ration for the day, which seemed to work out quite nicely. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I've I I love going to France. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love it. And I would quite happily if I ever got to the point where I did have a little bit of extra money, a little tiny place in just anywhere in France. Mm-hmm. It's somewhere cheap. I don't even mind. I don't even mind if it's if it were just like the equivalent of a sort of almost a council estate on the outskirts of yeah. a town or something because I just think the French philosophy of how they live their lives is how I want to live my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to get I want a daily shop. I want yeah. to get fresh produce. I want to have a little bit of love and preparation in the way that I cook it. I want it to be basic but nice, and then I want it to be washed down with a bottle of really cheap red wine that tastes <laughs> decent at the end of the night. You know, I mean, I, I absolutely love that. That's really funny. And then, so we'll come, we'll come back to the question of of weird food that you tried in France. Was there anything that you that you went, oh, I really fancy trying that, and you, something that you'd never even seen before and ordered well, like it and said, tried it? Well, I've never, I can't remember ever going to a restaurant in France. Okay. I don't think I've ever been to one. Oh, we used to go quite. I mean, we we used to go quite a lot. We were, we were self catering, so uh. everything everything that I saw would be in supermarkets. And yeah. like I said, their supermarkets are fantastic. You know that you get to the fresh produce, and they're spraying little bits of water. They've mm. got beautiful little fish bits and cheese bits. You know, they really. Get, it's like every supermarket is 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 even their bog standard places are better than a Waitrose. It's something that Yoko constantly says to me. Is it just shows the lack of food culture in this country, in Britain? Yeah, you know we do not have a food culture, and even though we're kind of becoming a bit more foodies, and I would class you and me as foodies, yeah, it's not ingrained. Mm-hmm. You know, our supermarkets are just you know stacks of stuff, and like you'll just hear people going, oh, "I don't want to eat fish," you know, oh, it smells, uh, and just like, "Oh yeah, uh, don't like that." Beige food, mate. That's what it is. People well, want what, beige what, food. What, what, like, I'm, I'm going to admit something here, and I admitted this to my next-door neighbour over the fence as I was chatting to him last night. Yeah. He, he gave me a response that I wasn't expecting. I turned around and I said, I hadn't realised, I had steak and chips last night. Yeah. I hadn't realised that you can literally get a potato, 
chop it into strips, stick it in the like stick it on a baking tray, cover it in oil, and then put it in an oven. And, and about chips come out. twenty minutes later, chips come out. Yeah. Now I'm fully aware that you get oven chips. Mm-hmm. But I thought they had some kind of special magic ingredient that made that happen. <laughs> now, you're laughing, so I think you thought about it. No, I hadn't. I just hadn't thought about it. Now, I was talking to my mate. Yeah. And I went, I'm really, you know, I said, I couldn't believe it. I said, my life's been revolution by the fact that I can get a potato, chop it up, yeah. and make my own chips to go with stuff that are healthier. They're not deep fried, pretty decent, yeah. a bit of olive oil, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's a foodie. Yeah. He went, oh, I didn't realise you could do that. What that showed me is the kind of brainwashing that our culture has in the fact that you go what you want to make chips at home you better buy oven chips yes it's like no you could just buy a blooming potato and chop it up yeah but that's not told to us and it sort of epitomized british food culture it's like yeah yeah, we watch jamie oliver yeah we watch gordon ramsay we get tips on things but we're very much starting it now and we're taking food from other places and kind of creating it liking it talking about it you know that's what this podcast is all about really But we don't have it culturally in our bones that we do food. You know, it's a very new thing. Yeah, it's quite interesting. Oh. <laughs> what the feck is Tibbles Nibbles? So for me, I mean, one of the things I always really liked, a few things I, I loved go- going to, and, and I think it's something that, that I've brought over actually as well, going out for lunch, I loved it when you go, you know, when you get the, the prefix, you know, the fixed price, Mm-hmm. And you get a choice of, you know, usually two starters, three main courses, two desserts or whatever it is. And that forced me to try things that I wouldn't normally mm-hmm. have because I'm a terrible one for being stuck in my ways. Yeah, likewise. I think, uh, I'm going to a restaurant and going, right, I'm going to a burger joint, so therefore I'm having a cheeseburger. I'm mm-hmm, going to a steak mm-hmm, place, therefore mm-hmm. I'm having a ribeye. I'm going to a curry place, so therefore I'm having this. And I basically already know what I'm going to eat before I go in there. Whereas you go somewhere where there's a limited choice, or actually one of the things I love is, and we'll probably come on to this on another podcast is when you start going to places that do tasting menus and things like that where there's no choice and you just get what you're given. I love the idea of the get what you're given. Not necessarily on a tasting menu, but, I mean, I've heard about these kind of bistros yeah. where, you know, you eat what they've cooked that day. Yeah, exactly. I would love to go to one of those because I think the the idea that, that the food is, is has been sort of, you know, created by... A, a decent chef that cares yes. so much about what they're doing. It's like, well, no, I'm not. I'm not catering for the masses of, te- you know, the the taste of the masses. Yeah, I'm catering for people that want to eat my food. Mm, exactly, and, this and that's is what, what you're going to have. This is what I'm yeah. cooking. If, if I have more than enough money to buy my little place, I'd also like to have a little bistro like yeah. that where people can just cook, you know, eat what I'm cooking. cooking. Yeah, you know. Certainly, France was the first time I ever tried snails. That I loved pate as well i'm pretty sure we'd had pate but one of the things we always used to bring back with us my, my parents used to load the boot up with booze as you can imagine mm-hmm. but they weren't really big drinkers they used to bring enough back to last last them quite a while but also the other thing we used to bring back in massive quantities i mean truly enormous i i can't even believe how many we used to bring back were those little tins of french pate like the little round tins i think i know the ones you mean i'm not a big fan of the tinned ones. Yeah, no, but I, I know, I know ones. the ones you yeah. mean. I love a bit of pate. Yeah, but if you, can, I mean, you compare it to the pate that you would get in the UK at this at that time in sort of the eighties and nineties in you know, the oh yeah, the yeah, yeah, sort of mid to mid to late eighties. It's like a whole. It was a world, of, absolute world of difference. But do you know that's the reason why I don't buy them though is because I can't shake the British versions of like sandwich spread yeah. out of my head. <laughs> I mean, I know they're ten times better, but I still yeah. have those kind of hangovers from 
from those sort of yes. days. It's like you know anything in a tin can't be good. Yeah. Whereas actually some of their duck confit in tins oh, is absolutely it's incredible. The fish soup in in jars yes. is unbelievable, and that's from a non-soup person. Yeah. You know. I think the only thing that I got really upset with, because I was always very pleased, actually, that my parents really encouraged me to, to try things. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't like them, it kind of didn't matter. It was like at home, it was very much, you eat what you're given, and if you don't like it, you don't eat. Uh, which, which I think was fair enough. Absolutely but when, I, same, but when we were out in a same. foreign place, they'd be very much, oh, well, give it a go and see whether mm-hmm. you like it. Mm-hmm. Da, da, da. And so the only thing that I turned my nose up at, which I don't think you can probably get anymore, um, for a reason it would probably become clear, was um, calf's brains. Mm-hmm. Which I think we ordered when I was about nine or ten. I must have been, I think I was ten. And we saw it on the menu, and I made a joke about it. And my dad was like, oh, I don't know, you should order that. You should try it and see now, whether you like it or not. Is your dad a bit of a foodie as well? He I is, yeah. I both, think, my par- I think, both my parents are. I think are. he is, yeah. Yeah, I mean, let's be right. You know, one of the reasons that I think we ate out quite a lot was it gave my parents a chance to go and try some new stuff as well. Mm, mm, mm. Um, and my whole family are pretty foodie, mm. I think. Those are the meals that really stick in my head. Moving away from France a little bit, I remember we used to go to Spain a bit as well. I remember we drove. I can't even remember how far it was. But, I mean, it was a long, it was a long old way out into... And this is sort of... This, this is what got my interest up for going a bit off-piste and trying some... Not just going to the place on the seafront. We drove out to a place called... Where were we staying? We were staying at a place called Harvea, I think. Which is sort of between Alicante and Valencia mm-hmm. on, the, on the east coast on the Costa Blanca. And we got told about this little restaurant in a place called Seneca, I think. Or Seneca. I don't know what the pronunciation was. And... It was one of these proper old school, and, and we'd seen them in France, like the prefix places there, and it was like a proper old school Spanish restaurant, and they did, you know, liver and onions, and, you know, all these other sort of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. really, like, old school dishes, and paella, and like, but, but it was the local version of paella, so you didn't get, you know, or what you got in the UK, or, you know, that you made that had to have all these things, and it was like the local version that had whatever was on that day. Mm. And I remember we drove out there, I think two or three times over the course of a two-week holiday because my parents liked it so much and it was worth the 40-minute drive that I think it was. It might have even been longer than that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to go there versus just going out in the town where there were like 25 restaurants. Uh, And Yeah. And the other thing that I'm really glad about is that my we never went to the stereotypically British places either. You know, when we went to when we went to Harvey, for example, we deliberately didn't go. You know, it's not that far. We drove to Benidorm. We went out in Benidorm one night and had a great night. But we would never go to Benidorm or, you know, Magaluf or any of these other places, you know, where you can basically yeah, be a not, Brit abroad. So they're not family places, though, are they? Well, Benidorm take, is. You don't take your kids to Benidorm, yeah, do you? Yeah, you do. I don't. Well, no, you don't. But I think that's, you know, again, that, that probably oh, comes Benidorm's through. Benidorm's like concrete and karaoke. You go out for, like... Yeah, but it's great for kids because there's all the... the other. Well, I mean, you probably would. but yeah, Or you would have done. But um, still would make you <laughs> No, but I mean, very much you know places you know hotels with kids clubs. I mean, I've been to and the, you I, know I, all I, these places where you know you can pay in pounds and you can order in English and you're going to get ham egg and chips. And I, I remember reading an article I'm about. about I'm, I'm going to stop the podcast. I'm getting so angry. I, can't, I know. I, can't I know. But, it. but that's, that's not a fucking holiday, is it? But I'm really, but I'm really grateful that that. But my parents deliberately avoided that. Yes. And in fact, you know, even when we went to places that were stereotypically holiday maker-ish. So we went to Fuerteventura two years in a row. We didn't go to the northern bit, which is where all the Brits are. We went to the southern bit, where the rest of Europe goes. And the quality was better for the same prices. I can't remember which island I went to recently. I took the family. 
I can't. I don't think. What are the other islands on the Canaries? Lanzarote, Gran Canaria. Maybe it was Gran Canaria. Gran Canaria is like the big teardrop shape one. It might have been for. I don't, like I said, my geography. I don't really care. I just want to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. The, it, it's the island that's got the north and the south. So maybe it is Fortuna. Yeah, it quite well be. Yeah, because the plane landed in the south, and I then decided to rather than pay thirty euros ahead charges to get us from the airport to the resort yeah it was cheaper for me to hire a fit 500 because that was like 15 euros for mm-hmm. the week or something <laughs> so i did that um and that was that was me the wife oh, i love driving abroad and the and, and and taro the idea it was half term so it was october time yeah it's what it's about four years ago we went full board it was all inclusive because you know uh, october tends to be my birthday yeah so it was a birthday what, what, every year yeah, every year. Strange, isn't it? Amazing. So October has my birthday in it. So it was, and, and we'd be away for that. I do like being away, I like being abroad yeah. on my birthday. It's quite nice. We, yeah, like I said, we went um, full board. So I had the uh, the band of shame. Yeah. And we went for a week, and that was enough. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I made a few mistakes at the the all you can eat um, buffet bar dinner. Yeah. And of course, the big the, the the main one is is that. I'm, I'm a greedy bastard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know, you've got loads and loads of different things, and it's all okay. But yeah. a, I eat too much of it, yeah. So I then feel a bit ill from it, and two, I try a bit of everything. Where I should try and stick to sort of yes, because basically the same stuff comes out every day. Yes, mm-hmm. you know, they they change one of the options maybe, but the bottom line is it's the same buffet every night. Yes, and of course, if you then eat the same bits off the set, if you eat everything, a little bit of everything off the buffet, you you're eating the same. You're eating the same thing for a week. Yeah. Being an all-inclusive um, virgin, I didn't know all that, so I'd know more the second time. But at the same time, the difference in price—I'd rather go self-catering and take myself out for lunch mm. every day. We went out once and just happened to be having a few drinks yeah. in a bar near a beach, uh, and realised the prices for food were actually was actually quite reasonable. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, doing the maths, I reckon that I would have spent the same amount of money. Had we gone out for breakfast and lunch and then, you know, like I said, had a sort of like a, a meze thing back at the hotel yes. for dinner than I did paying the extra to have an all-inclusive week. Yeah. You know, I like to drink, especially on holiday. Yeah. And, of course, you get het up with the kind of whole... Um, you can drink as much as you like. Well, yeah, and I did. <laughs> <laughs> I was very, very drunk for an entire week. The thing is, is like booze doesn't cost that much abroad. Yeah. So you kind of think, oh well, yeah, I'll I'll do that because I'll make my money back. Because because you think about yeah. you know especially London prices. Mm-hmm. You know if you get a gin and tonic or a, a nice vodka and apple, which I'm quite yeah. partial to in the afternoon, you know it's free pool. Yes. You know, and you go to a bar, it's free pool. So it's not five quid for a little dribble in the bottom of a glass. So actually, you've got to realise that yeah, sometimes it's just not worth going on all inclusive places because you can go to different restaurants and, yeah. and and try different mm-hmm. things. And so that's something I've learned anyway. And it's very different to my usual style of holiday yes I mean don't get me wrong I'm not a backpacker I'm not one of those people that needs to be going kind of going off but I do tend to like getting into the car and going somewhere or hiring a car I like to move around go mm-hmm. to different places and be sort of slightly independent yes but this was very much no I actually just want to hold myself up in a in a hotel for a week and and sit by a pool. Yeah, I, d- I definitely, I definitely like. I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not definitely not a traveller. I'm not a backpacker. The no, idea. I of, have a suitcase. Yeah, <laughs> I think the the idea of you know, I remember I went to Thailand to go diving, but I had I had sort of time before and after to do some travelling, so I spent a couple of days in Bangkok, and I remember staying on Koh Phi, which is where they film the beach. 
and I was talking to a friend of ours, in fact, who mm-hmm. was like, oh, you can stay on this, you know, you can stay in this hut on the beach and it's amazing. And, mm. You know, it's only like £16 a night and all this sort of stuff. And I went, well, yeah, but for £26 a night, I can have a room to myself in air-conditioned luxury, right, like okay. like 35 steps further up the hill. I, I think I'm going to do that one, actually, thanks. <laughs> all the same. Yeah. And, and, that, and that made it for me. But coming back coming back to food I do I love the exploration aspect of going to different places oh Tibbles Nibbles the amateur food review and so here we are at the end of part one of Tibble Nibbles lockdown edition uh, or travel log I guess I think we're going to call this now so we finished part one of the Western Europe section. Part two is going to be coming up in a couple of days. Please let me know what you think, www.tibblenibbles.com or you can message me, tibblenibbles at gmail.com. Alternatively, we are on all of the podcast sites, so you can pick us up on uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, all the good stuff. So uh, please drop us a subscribe and give us a rate. Thanks very much for your time, and I look forward to speaking to you soon. Let us know how many croissants you stole on your way back to the caravan when you were a kid. Exactly.